Turn with me to Hebrews 12. Uh, Lord willing, we'll be back in Nehemiah next Sunday, but if God says you're going to take a break from anything, you just take a break. And he uses big things, small things to do that. Obviously, we've had some big things that have contributed to our time away from Nehemiah, but we'll be back there, Lord willing, next week. Hebrews chapter 12. You remember last week we read verses 1 and 2, running the race of endurance. Same chapter, but we're going to pick it up in verse 22. So uh, even though this chapter has 29 verses, we're not covering but a handful of them, uh, there's quite a study uh, in the entire chapter 12, but we're going to pick up with verse 22. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. We can put one in your hands, and you can keep it as well. Verse 22, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, who are registered in heaven to God, the judge of all, the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of the sprinkling that speaks of better things than that of Abel. Let's pray again. Lord, we just ask for your spirit to speak through these few verses, for the, through these few minutes, and Lord, that we would just see eternity the way that you would have us to see it. It would have a transformational effect on our walk here on earth. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Uh, this is the only slide I have. If, we, if you were to think of a subtitle for this, I, I would call it this. Get our heads in the clouds. You know, the, the whole, you know, I mentioned this whole cliche, that's, I don't know when it was born, so heavenly minded, no earthly good. It, it, I don't see that as doctrinally sound. All I see in the scriptures is the people who are eternally minded are the most earthly good. That the ones that are truly understanding where we're headed, it's in the 11th chapter. Turn back to the 11th chapter for just a second. Uh, we're, we're not studying the 11th chapter, but if you look at the 11th chapter, it tells us that, uh, let's take, take for example, verse 16, chapter 11, but they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. He has prepared a city for them. Who was that? Well, that was the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're mentioned in verses uh, 8 through 12. And then uh, if you look at um, verse 13 of chapter 11, Still in Hebrews, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims in this earth. See, the saints that went before us that God used in a great way had their eyes fixed on the heavenly city. Now, when your eyes are fixed on Jesus, you're not less valuable to helping people around you, you become more. Why? Because the more we're transfixed on the face of God, the more we become like the nature of God. And God is what? 
love. Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's only, that's only possible when we're in communion with God. And the more we long for the presence of God and the eternal fellowship and unity with God, the more it changes us here. Now we see little glimpses of it. Remember the Mount of Transfiguration? Kind of a little bit of heaven comes down. Jesus unveils a little bit of the glory. There's the disciples there. And they want to build three little tabernacles. And all of a sudden, Moses and Elijah are gone. He says, this is my son. Hear him. But God was giving them a glimpse of the fact that uh, earth is very, very temporal. It's passing away. Last week, we looked at, uh, we looked at uh, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. And we talked about laying aside every weight, laying aside every sin. Now, obviously, God wants us to lay aside sin. We can't really be effective with sin in our life. But also the weights. Also those things that in and of themselves are not sins, but they do become sin because they become hindrances. They're just habits. They're things that actually keep us from really thinking eternally minded. God wants us to run the race. He wants us to lay aside all the things that would hinder us. But he doesn't want us to chase the wind, does he? That's what the world is doing. You know, in Ecclesiastes 3.11 says God's put eternity in their hearts, their hearts being all of mankind. Do you believe that God's put eternity in everyone's heart? Yeah. You'll, you won't meet anyone that if you gave them the chance to say, would you like to live forever, never die, they wouldn't say, I'll take that. The problem is, all times, they don't want to live with God forever. Right? Adam and Eve had that choice. Hey, just do this and you just live peacefully with me. And they said, no, we're going to go this way. Many people want to live forever. They just don't want to live with God forever. That's why they have oxygen chambers, Botox, all kinds of things that are actually there to kind of prop us up. But they don't add a second to our life, do they? They don't add any time to our life. But back to our text. In Hebrews 12, what is it that the writer of Hebrews, we don't know exactly, many people think Paul wrote Hebrews, we don't know exactly, very possible based on the ending where he speaks of Timothy in verse 23 of chapter 13, but uh, if you look at this text, what is it that the writer is telling us? But you have come to Mount Zion. Now the previous verses were about Mount Sinai. You know what Mount Sinai was all about, right? Moses stood on Mount Sinai with two tablets. Of course, when, when God saw the sins of the people, the tablets were smashed into pieces. It was just, it was just an, uh, a reminder of God's anguish and anger towards sin. But the law was given on Mount Sinai. But he says, now, we now have the Ten Commandments. We have the tablets. We have the law of God written where? On the tablets of our heart. That's a change that only God can bring about. It takes the eternal God to make an eternal change. And he's done that work. But here he says, because you have been changed, because you've transformed, you're not sitting at the base of Mount Sinai. You've come to the base of Mount Zion. Where is Mount Zion? Jerusalem. The temple was placed there. The presence of God was there. You've come to a place where Jesus would eventually, not only Mount Zion, 
uh, was there then. Mount Zion's there now. But Mount Zion will be there for all eternity. Amen? Amen. The new Jerusalem will come down out of heaven right down to where Mount Zion is now. Now, I don't know how God's going to transform the world. He is. New heavens, new earth. But Zion will stay there. And he says to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, because Jerusalem will come down out of heaven. Jesus had already, with the cross, he's already torn the veil of the temple. Amen? We have this eternal access. But as Pastor Randy's experiencing now, he's not just having that access like we do through prayer. He's literally in the presence of Jesus. Never, ever, ever to be separated, ever again, not even for a millionth of a second from Christ. And our lives here are just so short. They're just a vapor. And yet people are chasing all these things. The writer of Hebrews is saying, I want you to see the gravity. You are headed towards a heavenly Jerusalem. Right now you're at the base, uh, you're at the base and you're not at the top yet. You know, we were a couple weeks ago, we were down in Stone Mountain, Georgia. I don't know if you've ever been to Stone Mountain, but it has a tram that goes up to the top of the mountain. Big rock. You, you might think it's all inspiring, look at, but it's way better view when you get up top. At the bottom, you're waiting, and you're close. And those of us who are saved, we're waiting, and we're close. But we're not there yet. But he says, you've come to the city of the living God. We already, Jesus, God said, he's not the God of the dead, but he's the God of the living. He says, I'm, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? Jesus made this clear. He's the God of the living. The living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, innumerable company of angels. Now he's saying, this already is happening in heaven. There's already an innumerable company of angels worshiping God. The saints that have gone before us are already experiencing that. I was telling my wife, I said, you know, one of the things about when people go to heaven, you know that heaven's outside of time, right? It's not like there's a clock up there. They're saying, what time is it on earth? Uh, yeah, that, uh, heaven is outside of time. I don't think when Randy arrived in heaven, they said, hey, welcome the new guy. I don't know how it works, but this is just my thinking here. This is not, I don't have a verse, but I have a lot of scripture that, that kind of would, heaven is outside of time. I don't think that Abel, which Abel is mentioned in verse 24, the blood of Abel is mentioned here in this passage. I don't think Abel was in heaven for a long, when's everyone else going to be here, right? <laughs> Abel was the first one to die, right? So Abel like, it's awful empty up here. It's me, God, the Holy Spirit, and a bunch of angels. Where's everybody else? Heaven's outside of time. The Bible says we're already seated in the heavenlies. I don't know how all this works. Again, I'm not telling you how it works. I'm saying that we'll find out when we get there. What I don't think is that each person that arrives, that, hey, the new person's here. You know, another, we've been waiting for you. Kind of, I don't know how it all worked. Because it's outside of time is what I'm trying to say. It's outside of time. In other words, you and I may be already there because the Bible says we're already seated in heaven, in heavenly places. Now, I know that's metaphoric, but it may be more than that. Because John went ahead of time and saw the 24 elders and saw everybody else that ever lived, and he went ahead and saw all that. And so what the Lord wants us to understand is that if eternity is this outside of our thinking and will last forever, why would we get so intently focused on making earth heaven when it's not possible? 
verse 23, to the general assembly in the church. He's saying, look, you guys are the general assembly. Right now you're assembled in two places. Part of the assembly is already in heaven and part of the assembly is here. But in God's economy, it's one assembly. Amen? Amen? I don't know how that works either. How is it possible that all of us here and all of us in heaven are in the exact same assembly? Not the exact same place, the same assembly. You are just as much in the presence of Jesus spiritually as Pastor Randy right now. Jesus is in this room and he's in heaven. He's as much here as he is there. It will be more real there. I get that. But that's because we are locked in a physical constraint. But Jesus is not. So he's just as much here as he is there. The general assembly of the church and the firstborn. Jesus was called the firstborn. All those that come into Christ are also called the firstborn. The blessing was given to the firstborn. Who are registered in heaven. Now, we're already registered there. Isn't that great to know? Yeah. If you're saved, you are saved. Registered. Registered. In heaven, to God the judge of all. Now, you don't want to go to the great white throne judgment, but there is a judgment seat. He is going to judge our works too, which, uh, which causes even Christians not to say, well, at least I'm saved. I can do anything I want. The judge of all, even saved people. I've said before, you could do a great job and you still have a little bit of nerves at your mid-year review. because you, you know you're going to get some constructive feedback, Right? We want to we run the race well. He's going to judge our life and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Here's the things that I looked at and saw that I was well pleased in. I want to have a good list. How about you? I'm not working for salvation, but I'm working because of salvation. Because of salvation, I'll work in the world, and that allows us to kind of sweat and Go through difficult times. Turn with me real quick, just for one second, how this works. Over to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, or 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Look at verse 17 and 18. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working in us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. If things are tough, God's using it now, it may not feel light. A lot of things I've gone through don't feel light at all to me. To me, they feel like a 1,000 pounds. But God says they're light compared to eternity, and if he says they're light compared to eternity, then he's right no matter what I feel. Amen? Amen. No matter what you feel. It's working for us a far more exceeding, weight, an etern- an exceeding and eternal weight of glory. God always has eternity in mind. We don't always, but he he wants to redirect our minds and hearts back to eternity. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, the things which are not seen are eternal. God says, look, the reason why I want you to pray is because eternity is at stake for people around you. The reason why I want you to share your faith is eternity is at stake. The reason I want you to push forward even when you're exhausted, run the race with endurance, is because my son did that so you could have eternal life. All of these things, God says, I want 
you to have eternal mindset. Rest of 23, the spirits of just men made perfect. Now, what does it mean just? Just means righteous. Those of us who have been made righteous through salvation, you've called upon the name of Jesus. He's made you righteous. None of us were born righteous. None of us were born just. And in the truest sense of the word, we're neither righteous nor just. It's the covering of Christ that he's talking of here. Made perfect is because Christ makes us perfect. Someday we'll never sin again. Oh, that'd be great. You never have to say, Lord, I'm back for the one millionth time on this one. You'll never have to say that in heaven. You'll never have to say, I forgot to lay that weight down. We'll be made perfect. Finally, verse 24, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. We're going to take the Lord's Supper in just a, just a couple of minutes here. If it wasn't for the Lord, you could have all the eternal mindset you want, but we would have an eternity, and it wouldn't be a place we'd want to be, right? The blood of Jesus, everyone's going to live forever. This is why we have to shine as a light. We have to remember that we're not here to find our little oasis our HGTV beach in somewhere in the Caribbean where we can sit and just watch the sunset till the hours roll by. Everyone needs time of rest. But you notice that everyone is trying to find heaven on earth? If I could just get away from the traffic. If I could just get away from the city. It's cold where we live. We have too much of this. We have too much of that. If we could just sit here and just sit under palm trees forever, well, that was the Garden of Eden, and we messed that up. So now we must live unto Jesus because we want to bring as many people to a permanent oasis as possible, not go find one, right? That's why God sent Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. I think I'll go somewhere else. I said, no, you're going to Nineveh. God is sending us to some Ninevehs, amen? But we're supposed to bring Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. That's what he wants us to do. Say, you've got a short time here. Your life's but a vapor. Bring the blood of Jesus everywhere you go. It worked for us. It'll work for them. That's what I'll be sharing on to some extent, not in those words this afternoon. But we want to take a few minutes, and I just want to stay on schedule here with your heads bowed. We just want to thank the Lord that he secured eternity. And the men are going to pass out the elements in just a second. We're going to have a uh, a Lord's Supper communion service for these last 15 or 20 minutes or whatever we've got left here. But uh, let's just pray. Father, we thank you this morning that you've secured our eternity by the blood of Jesus. And Lord, we know that we're guilty of sometimes being very earthly focused. And we ask that you forgive us, Lord, for being too focused on things that are not going to last whether they be careers or hobbies or, or even, Lord, we can make idols of our own children or our own spouse. And, Lord, we just ask that you would help us to lay aside every sin, every weight, and just cleanse us afresh and anew by the blood of Jesus. And, Lord, thank you for coming. You lived a brief 33 years that secured eternity for every single person that would believe in your name. Matter of fact, Lord, it was really a matter of minutes your death on the cross. And the second you rose from the grave, those tiny bits of real time secured eternity for all that would trust in you. And we can't say thank you enough. Lord, we want your help to help us to be eternally minded, to look at the things which are unseen, to see the souls of men as more important 
than what we can find as fun or pleasurable. And Lord, we're guilty of these things, but we ask for your forgiveness and your mercy and your grace.